Good morning or good evening whenever you're listening to this podcast. I'm going to start this episode with a shout out. We're going to be reacting to some content today and I wrote down this whole thing, but I lost the notebook that I wrote it down in and thankfully my brother is the goat and he was able to pull the video for me. So shout out to Donovan, you made this episode possible. Love you bro. I spent a lot of time thinking about and I guess just sitting with deconstruction content for two primary reasons. Number one, I want to know what is true. So if I hear an argument that maybe I need to reread a story or get a better understanding, I'm going to do that. So I think that's important. And number two, as a teacher of people, I believe part of my duty is knowing culture and anticipating cultural shifts so that I can accurately teach the faith with gentleness and kindness. I'm praying that this one will help you, especially wherever you are in your faith journey. I'm going to play this clip here, and I'm going to have some thoughts for you once it is over. Here we go. I love God because he pulled me out of the trenches. Mm, that's right. Not that on this, you know, endearing moment or in this endearing motivational video that inspires so many. But it's so funny that from a group of people, not these people specifically, but a lot of these people who believe in this religion, when I make my content, they always say, well, you can't expect God to do X, Y, and Z because he's not a genie. Yet, y'all are walking around saying you love him because he pulled you out of the trenches. Isn't that something that he's doing for you? Because you probably prayed to get out of the trenches and he answered that prayer and that's why you love him, right? But that's not even the overall point because I remember a time in my life where I was a Christian and when someone would ask me why I followed God, I would say the same thing because of the things that he brought me through, the things that he gave me strength to endure, things of that nature, right? Things that he helped get me through and my family through throughout our lives and things of that nature. But you take all of that out of the picture and think about those individuals who are still going through the trenches that we had to go through. Things that people are currently praying for, that they've been going through their entire lives, who didn't get that same luxury of being pulled out even though they're praying the same prayers. What about them? Would you still have this love for God if you were still in the midst of that suffering? The trenches that you once prayed to get out of, that you are now currently out of. If you lived your entire life in those trenches, would you still have that same kind of love for that God? And another creator say that is coming from a place of privilege, which I 100% agree because you have the privilege of being out of that situation and contributing you being out of that situation to God for his glory. But the people who are currently going through those situations or who have died going through those situations don't have that same luxury to say that because they're still going through it. And so taking away everything that God has done for you, why do you love God? If you love him for the things that he has done, but there are people walking around on this planet who have prayed and who have been praying since they can remember for their situations to change and they have not had that same luxury or that same privilege or that same experience of getting their prayers answered, how do you expect them to love this God if that's the reason why you love that God? A lot of you people were able to keep that faith because you have seen his works in your life, but what about people who have not had that same experience? How are they supposed to believe that this God loves and gives about them if your prayers are getting answered and they're being left aside? So I just have a couple of thoughts interspersed that I want to address. The whole shebang begins with this. I love God because he pulled me out of the trenches. And if you listen to a pod that I did just a few weeks ago, my answer is kind of similar. When I was lost and I felt like my life had no meaning and I was struggling over the value of anything, God was the one who showed me that my life was valuable and that even suffering can be valuable. 
Part of the problem is that the reactor, TikToker at Hiena Banana, assumes that the only reason that this woman loves or believes in God is because she pulled her out of the trenches. And I don't think that's very fair. I love God for helping me emotionally, but I have a lot of reasons that undergird my faith beyond the emotional things. And I hope every Christian does. Every time I teach apologetics, I tell people to have an emotional and evidential reason to believe in the faith. That is really helpful depending on the person that you're talking to. Prayer is talked a lot about in this TikTok, and so she addresses that. She asks this question, which is, would you still have a love for God even in the midst of suffering? The problem of evil and suffering is a very serious one, but I just want to remind y'all that this type of question is why Bible reading is so important and why meditating and actually sitting with the text and trying to learn more is so important. We have example after example of people continuing to love and trust God in their trials. Here's just a few from the top of my head. David, when his son died, the whole book of Job, where they even asked that question, would you still love God even if everything's taken away from you? The Psalms, which I went through recently, Hannah before she has her son Samuel, Paul in 2 Corinthians talking about his thorn in the flesh, and finally, and most importantly, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying for the cup to pass him by, even though it would not. All these are examples of trials, difficulty, and suffering that reflect these characters trust God even in the midst of suffering. All of them, except for Jesus, didn't know how the situation would end up, but still trusted that God would know and would do what is best. All of us, whatever situation we are in now, need to be preparing that I'm going to trust God, even if my situation right now isn't one where I'm suffering. The waters may get testy, and I'll be out of my comfort zone, but I know that the Lord will bring me through. Another quote that I thought was interesting, she says, another creator said that it's coming from a place of privilege, which I 100% agree because you have the privilege of being out of that situation and attributing being out of that situation to God for his glory. But the people who are currently going through these situations or have died going through these situations don't have that same luxury to say that because they're still going through that. I hate that privilege gets brought into this conversation. It's nebulous and undefined, but regardless, I'm going to give a few examples. Do you think Peter gave glory to God when he saw 3,000 baptisms the first time he preached? Do you also think he gave glory to God when he was crucified upside down? Do you think Paul gave glory to God after he was healed of his blindness? Didn't he also glorify God while he was in prison after receiving unjust beatings? Jesus gave the glory to his father plenty, and he also gave him glory as he was about to give his life away for a bunch of people, ungrateful people, including myself, who were entirely undeserving. In a way, I agree with Miss Miana Banana. If you are only glorifying God when a prayer goes your way, you are treating God like a genie, not as God. To trust God means even if you are left in the situation, or maybe it gets worse, you still trust that he has your best interests at heart. 
Now, again, I know there's some really tough spots people are in. I can't speak to all of them in this little 20, 25 minute pod. But in the scripture, I read of men being tracked down and killed, women married to fools, the poor suffering under oppressors, and ultimately God himself suffering as we do, continuing to put his trust in the Father's plan, and even dying so that we can have new and true life. And that kind of plays in the found thing I wanted to note. She says, there are people walking around on this planet that have prayed and have been praying since they can remember for their situations to change, and they have not had the same luxury or the same privilege or that same experience of getting their prayers answered. How do you expect them to love God if that's why you love that God? Again, I think this is valid. If you remain a Christian because your life is cushy and God has just given you things and that's it, that's a really awful reason to be a Christian. People should first see that Christianity is true. That Jesus came to the earth, died, and was resurrected. He died for us in our sins, and he did it because he loves us. And he continues to advocate on our behalf, to give us of his spirit, and we have this consistent and constant reminder that God loves me. I expect people to love God if you believe the gospel is true. But for the Christians who are listening... You don't get to be set free or receive whatever blessing just so you can hoard things and keep them for yourself. Here's some text to consider. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Seeing that you have received comfort from God and blessing from Him in this way, our response is to be comforters. We know there's a world full of people who are suffering and hurting. We aren't supposed to hoard the gift of God to ourselves. We are to be comforters. Another text to consider. Galatians chapter 5. We're reading verses 13 through 15. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So often, the perception of once I have freedom or liberty, that means I get to do whatever I want to do. In Christianity, that kind of gets flipped on its head because we have a God who has freedom to do whatever he wants to do. And what he does with his freedom is sacrifice himself for these ungrateful people who uh, didn't deserve it. Paul encourages us that we have received freedom but we are not using our freedom as an opportunity simply to do what I always want to do. Instead, through love, I submit myself and I serve other people. We know that all of the law is fulfilled in this command that we love our neighbor as ourselves. So much destruction comes when we are selfish and we're only focused on me and the liberty becomes what I want to do instead of 
How am I supposed to serve? One final text I want to bring up. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The way that the Christian knows love is because Jesus died for us. And so, the reflection John gives us is, knowing he laid down his life for us, means we also lay down our lives for other people. That when we are blessed with something, we don't just get to hold it into ourselves. He refers to it as closing our heart against him. If we close our heart when other people are suffering, we close ourselves off, we have received these blessings, and that we don't care to give them away, how can we know that God's love abides in that person? How do we know it abides in us? So that's a very important thing for us to consider. The conclusion of that idea, the hard-hitting reality, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The way we can know we truly love God and truly love our neighbor is by doing what he's called us to do and lay down our lives for others. When the Christian is blessed, given whatever grace it may be by God, we don't just sit all around and brag about it, but rather we see how we can use whatever we received to help others. For instance, for me, I am not quote-unquote cured of anxiety or depression, but it really helps me to empathize with other Christians or non-Christians who are stuck in those situations with mental illness. If I can just sit and encourage, so be it. I feel like that's something that's good. If God has blessed you with a job, you can use that money to help somebody else. God bless you with a home, invite people in. God blessed you with a car, you take people places. God is making his appeal through us. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5. So, if you are irresponsible and flippant with your blessings and what you've received, what kind of ambassador of the Lord are you? At the end of the day, I can't answer every question about prayer, especially some of the ones that she asks. What I do know, though, is that it is powerful. I do know it works. I know that God hears them. But I, again, I am just a man. I don't know all the ins and outs. What I do know is that he still cares and loves those who have not had their prayers answered in the same way. One of the kindest men that I ever knew died at 33. A guy who was named Daniel, and he had cancer. I don't know why God took him early. I think we'd be really good friends now. But I do know he's resting with the Lord. I heard news just this past week of a man in Africa who died unexpectedly. The church met in his home, and he leaves behind a wife and quite a few kids. Again, I don't know why God didn't answer the prayers to heal him. 
What I do know is that the Christians will be there to love and support that family, that they will encourage and strengthen them, that they'll provide for them monetarily, whatever the case may be. God doesn't only work when things are going well or going perfect or we get everything we ever imagined. He's still there in the darkness, in the valley of the shadow of death. And we know as faithful believers that on the other side of death, we get to dwell with him through Jesus, our savior. And that's why we love him. That's why we have faith. If you have more questions like that, feel free to, again, send me a DM on the Pilgrim song. Love talking about this stuff. And I really want to encourage you because these questions come up all the time. And a lot of them are very fair and very valid. I want us to handle them in ways that are both kind and gentle, but also scriptural. Thank you guys for tuning in. Very much appreciate it. Hope you have a blessed week. See you in the next one.